and welcome to the 905 podcast and today we have a 905 roundup and a special look at um, the Greenbelt documents that have been released as a result of um, uh, freedom of information uh, requests by environmental defense so this kind of leads on from our interview last week with um, Tim Gray of environmental defense and uh, look at the documents that they that they got as part of their their legal um, process uh, that otherwise would uh, usually be uh, not accessible to the public um, and the interesting things that they say about what the province has been doing with the uh, with the planning process in, in the run up to the to the um, well I guess we're calling the green belt scandal but, but just the general planning scandal that's been going on in this province. Uh, so Joel, you've been doing some uh, some digging um, into the documents. Um, what what were your impressions? Uh, well, I mean, there's there's a lot here, and kudos to Environmental Defense and to EcoJustice for for putting this out there. It's just shy, I think, of seven thousand pages of documents, and yeah. So it took me a while just to kind of go through and, and peruse some highlights uh, from it, but. What got me was it's kind of like a, a pulling back the curtain on the development process and realizing uh, you and I you and I had always thought that the development process was developer put the plan for a plot of land to the municipality the municipality says yay or nay based on the plan and that the any appeal could go to a, the Ontario Land Tribunal and they would eventually rule nine times out of 10 in the favor of the developer. And we thought that was the process. And this kind of revealed not under this government, that's not entirely accurate. Basically that the minister and and it looks like the premier's office were hip deep in giving favors to people who, who knew how to, how to talk to them. Right. Um, there's a whole industry of, consultants that instead of working to influence policy just to get on this on the on the rolodex on the speed dial of minister of the minister or premier's office to say i i want this spe- uh, specific plot of land changed for my my client my my customer whomever it's a very much it was very much an ad under this government a very much an ad hoc piecemeal approach to development which has its own own problems. Um, other other journalists, you know, the Nar- the Narwhal and the Toronto Star have done. They, they have more people to, to kind of do the deep dive into the seven thousand pages. It was just me on my own, so I'm not going to go into the the he said she said gotcha moments of the of the back and forth emails. But I kind of get you my, my my overall impression is that this government is policy phobic, or or I guess. Uh, uh, process phobic on on designing something and it, and then it explains kind of where we are now in, in the development process and the housing and where we are in the housing crisis in that they they kind of squandered the last six years i would say in possibly redesigning the the housing process or to address the housing crisis to get shovels in the ground and and stuff built instead of they decided on this ad hoc piecemeal my buddy comes to me and says, "I want this this plot of land taken out of the green belt, or I want the the protect the the designations taken away for uh, for me to use." And that's 
been kind of how they they processed it. I mean, the the very first PDF file that we opened, you look at it, and immediately it is just uh, letters from the minister Clark, Minister uh, Steve Clark at the time, to various clerks of you know, Halton, Peel, uh, Hamilton, Toronto, uh, uh, other other uh, jurisdictions around the province, basically saying. I'm exercising my power as minister under the law to overrule your official plan, and I am making these changes. And then immediately after that is the correspondence back from the clerk saying, basically, whoa, 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 time out. Wait a minute. Like, let's let we should have a conversation. This came out of nowhere. And that's kind of been, you know, that that's the the relationship that this government has decided to have with municipalities. Uh, not just in the 905, but in Ontario at large, which we will go into later in the episode. But that's kind of the crux of why we think the housing crisis is not going to get solved underneath this government. It's it's really, yeah, I mean, it's like you say, it's the contrast between um, how it's supposed to work and how it's actually working. And um, no, I remember back before 2018, um having the kind of impression that in certain areas the province had in effect you know this is before the pcs this is under the liberals that in certain areas and that was basically in the downtown urban growth centers of of suburban ontario the province had in effect taken planning powers away from the cities in any real sense and taken those to the province and i felt that many people felt that that was wrong in as far you know in the extent to which it had gone although the intent behind it which was to sort of encourage downtown development rather than sprawl was good mm. and uh but what we're seeing here now is that you know that kind of process which had a at least a plan and a kind of idea and a, and a theory behind it has now gone, I mean, the impression you get from these documents is just a chaotic kind of scattergun approach where the minister is simply responding to requests from people, you know, people say, I want to build on this. He's like, sure, here's a letter. Boom, we're going to build on that. It's it's just all over well, the place isn't that i mean i mean that's kind of that's certainly the that's the impression you got i think and well, it is. I mean, my, my kind of more superficial sort of look at it is uh is getting that, that impression well, too there's a perfect example that I, I as listeners of this podcast know i i live in burlington and so i was i was curious what's what was happening in my backyard and there's an area in a neighborhood here in burlington called aldershot uh and there's a, a plot of land called eagle heights which it is. It, it's a, it's a section of undeveloped land. It's it's very much rural land, kind of inside Burlington's boundaries. Um, just to kind of set the set the image for you, if you're listening. Uh, the the municipality has been trying to keep it as a rural natural heritage system uh, because there's. Uh, an endangered species, a, a gecko or a salamander or something like that. It's that was salamander, I think. If I'm sure, right. why not? Yeah, yeah. but they, <laughs> they live in there. They live in there, and they, they, there's, there's a, the, it's, it's a big thing. I, it is what it is. But they seem to make their nests kind of in this area, and so there's not really a big push to carve it up yet. Whereas a the owner of that land had been wanting to develop it and was pressuring the 
minister's office to change it uh, as from a rural or natural heritage system to a settlement area and using the argument that it would fall within the provincial employment zone to develop into like an industrial or or a business park, presumably. This is still ongoing. Um, and it, whether or not you want it, we you can get into the nitpicky bits of if it does qualify or what they want. To, it, the point was, this had been going on for years. And it's just, there's no, at some point, somebody has to say, no, you can or you cannot develop this, or this is what you have to build on it. And instead of just saying, okay, we're going to work with the municipality to say, this is what the municipality wants there. Let's figure out what we can build there to make a buck, provide what is needed or not needed, you know, whatever the case may be. There's no decision moving forward. It's like, well, no, we can, we don't like this decision. We're just going to go one step above you and get our consultant because it was a consultant. It was a, it was a, uh, that's another thing that we'll get into. There's the consultant was hired to basically petition the government, not for a policy change or a wide enacting like, Hey, you know, this law prohibits us from really building what's needed. It's very much a specific, this parcel of land, we need you to specifically change the designation and remove it out of boundaries or change what we can do on it, which is very nitpicky and very micromanagement of the housing policy from the provincial standpoint. And that's kind of the theme that you get from the documents. And then this, like this example is not isolated to Burlington. This has happened up in York. It's in Vaughan. It is in uh, Ottawa. It's it's Hamilton, of course. It's Niagara, everywhere. And, everywhere. And day after day after day, um, direction after direction after direction of like, uh, you know, un- under our new powers that, that we gave ourselves we can now just overrule everything you do. Yes. So we're overruling this. Uh, and no kind of forewarning, no. I mean, some of the responses, again, <laughs> and I'm going here, you know, the, the, you've been through this in more detail than I have, but um, some of the responses that just lapped out at me are people going like, uh, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, hang on a minute. Uh, you know, the, the, so the, the actual sort of um, feeling of, shock uh, that's coming back from municipal um uh, and they know the powers that the ministries have i think it's the fact that they were just no, no kind of no some of the cases there will have been decades certainly years yeah. often decades of planning and discussion and council meetings and staff work you know staff getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars but going into a particular decision to make sure that the right decision is being made, to make sure it fits within all the various frameworks that exist yeah. for municipalities at the different levels. And along comes a guy and at the stroke of a pen says, nope, that's going in the garbage. And, and you know, that, that we saw my, that my in buddy, Hamilton. Because my buddy tells me that it's it's a bad idea. Yeah. You know. And, and we need to sort of remind ourselves, because, you know, most people the vast, vast majority of people, even people who work in local government, I suspect, think that local government is often a pain in the ass. The people, you know, the people who, the elected people are often not the best, let's mm-hmm. face it. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a frustrating business. I mean, my limited experience was of enormous frustration with, with the way the whole thing works and the culture that has developed. So, yeah, it's odd that I would then 
jump to its defense, but we have to remind ourselves why it exists. And we have local government because you can't have a body sitting anything between tens of miles away and thousands of miles away mm-hmm. governing at a you know kilometer level you cannot govern at a distance at a in a precise way because you don't know what makes what? most sense for niagara or burlington or oakville or wherever yeah. you don't know the ins and outs of it you have oh, to have people there who do know who do the research, who do the work to make the right decision. But that that's what it comes down to with this is that the, the level of micromanagement into the development process is hindering housing being being developed. Like every every guideline and rule of the system is able to be second guessed or overwritten, overruled or over or rewritten in some cases. Um which kind of explains why right now in Ontario, like we're not coming, we're coming up very short in our housing targets to meet the housing crisis because nothing's being built because everything can be second guessed. At some point, the, this, at some point to, to, you need to say enough's enough, no more debate, no more. Could we get more? It's no, you need to build this here. Now we need you're you're permitted for 20 stories or you're permitted to build a you have to build on on this plot of land no you can't get that neighbor that section across the street that's environmentally protected land you just forget it it's not on the books it's not possible you've got to build with what we got now and that doesn't happen this the this government doesn't seem to be willing to lay out this is the framework you build within the framework and you get it done. It's the framework is always well. It's always a hindrance. It's always a, it's a nuisance. It's it can be rewritten. And when you have that, what we're seeing right now, and this is the reality, is when you have that attitude of these government. This is uh, the the bureaucracy and the, and the 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 rules that are written down are not, none of them are useful. It's all we should have laissez-faire approach to housing. This is what happens because well, I don't have to build now because I can always wait further down the road. The other point that comes out of these documents is this isn't a unique problem to the Ford government. We've had, uh, there's docu- there's correspondence between uh, clients or the uh, between clients and the minister and premier's office or, or, or chief of staff office saying, essentially clients have been petitioning the conservative, the Ontario PC party for, since John Tory was premier, or, or sorry, leader, my apologies, uh, oh. petitioning them to say, you're going to free up my land. This shows a history of a party that is very much at the beck and call of developers that, and it's not even a matter of, of trying to create a system that they can thrive in. It's no, we expect you to cater the system to our needs at the given moment, which is again, dangerous. And prohibits us from actually de- developing because you try and you try and create a system that you just say no, nope, you got to build, you got to put shovels in the ground. Well, I don't really have to play in that system because I'll just put money into the next campaign and I'll let you know some other once Doug Ford leaves, I'll let somebody else in the Progressive Conservative Party to run on damn those liberal or NDP 
bureaucrats, they're clogging up system, nothing's getting done. And we start the process all over again. It, it, it it's it's honestly a very depressing read in that the development industry doesn't really seem to be more interested in how do I put shovels in the ground as much as how do I maximize the value of my land for my bottom my bottom line. So I can say I've, I've got so much asset, so many assets on my uh, on my books. Yeah, yeah. In uh, this 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 ad hoc process is is chaotic, and it doesn't. You know the whole the whole the whole drive of well, not the whole drive. A significant part of the drive of, of the PCs was that you know, everything takes too long to happen. So so if 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 everybody just comes to us and asks for us to do it, then it will speed the process up. But it doesn't do that because what it does is like everything is appealable, or if it's not appealable, it's just mzoable. It's it's right. everything can be questioned, nothing is certain, everything is up for, up, up for debate. And in that situation, you've got chaos because why would anybody not ask for more? It's obviously going to make sense to always ask for more, ask for more at the OMB, ask more from the right. minister, ask more, ask more, ask more. So no decision is ever made because it's always like, oh, well, we'll think about that and we'll get back to you. If you have a firm structure, and I mean, again, uh, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but my very limited sort of discussions directly with developers, um, the, the, the one developer I spoke to said, what we want is certainty too. We want a structure. And then it's like, okay, I can build this here. Right. There's no ifs, no buts. I'll build it. Um, when you, I mean, the other, other sort of side to bring into this, if things are constantly appealable and constantly, constantly second guessable, then the whole market, you know, the actual economy reshapes itself to that principle. So the yeah. value of land reflects what people guess you can get for that if you keep on asking and keep on appealing, rather than what the zoning is for or what the what the, the irony of this is. When Rob Ford was mayor of Toronto, one of his things was the official plans should be the official plans. They should. Right. <laughs> no, no, I mean obviously Doug and well, Rob are very different people, but well, no, but I think it's I think it's all malarkey. I, I think yeah. I don't trust the the Ford family to give me an honest answer to anything. I uh, there is one uh, one uh, addendum or, or or just a a, a piece that I that caught my eye that I really want to highlight and it's that in those letters to the municipalities to say hey um the minister is changing or overruling decisions one response was from uh the six nations uh to the minister basically i'll summarize it as best i can but basically saying they feel that their that their territory is being encroached upon by developers, which we have seen, and we've talked about before in the podcast, this, the issue of Caledonia is basically that of developers saying, well, I want to keep building out rather than intensify. And so we're they're forced to face the fact that those boundaries that the province is saying we're pushing out are going to encroach on the, the Six Nations traditional uh, territory. Not to mention, they were they're pointing out the fact that yes, they have treaty rights to fish and hunt in the rural lands uh, in the Haldeman Track. Just saying, nope, we're building for the sake of building, and municipal, uh, municipal boundaries be damned. 
their argument is that they they feel that their land, their treaty rights are being violated by the expansion of municipalities into their traditional hunting and fishing grounds. Now, I'm not going to get into the 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 nitpicking, like not, it's not nitpick, that's the wrong word, but I'm not getting the minutia of that, you know, whether or not, okay, is this actually within lands? That might be a court battle. But the simple fact of they're saying, you're not consulting with us. In the, in the spirit of tr- of, of uh, a truth and reconciliation, you would think that the the Ontario government should make sure that they're consulting adequately with the First Nations of Ontario so that they can uh, we can get better policy that way. But and they're not. And I thought that was a, that was a, something that's not really being reported. The environmental concerns that the First Nations have on the on the preservation of their lands, their their waterways, et cetera, are just not being addressed in this mad ad hoc system as as they wouldn't be. I mean that that's the point of the system is to preserve environmental and and uh, environmental lands, watersheds, waterways, all that kind of thing. That's what really this is about. And this ad hoc way just overthrows it because yeah, eventually you just you can't build on on water waterlands. That was something I thought should be pointed out because I don't really hear about that a lot in the in, in other news sources. It's it's almost yeah, it's important. It, it's definitely I completely agree. It's definitely important to I mean that that any kind of uh, respect for the First Nations uh, role in all of this is it's just relevant to the to this kind of process. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's just like what can we build on? Who wants to build on something? react and of course yes. the first nations are going to come absolutely nowhere into that kind of dis- discussion um it's disgraceful but it's 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 so expected that that, that we can hardly be surprised you know um i mean I, i'm just looking at something here um just to give people an idea of of you know how this works um there's a whole bunch of emails back and forth about um changes to the um the urban boundary in peel uh, I've just pretty much picked this at random as as we're sitting here, um, and um, you know a big chunk of uh, lands were being added to the urban boundary by by the province, um, and uh, they're discussing the maps. There's a lot of discussion backwards and forth about whether the lands that are being added to the boundary should be coloured blue or red, and obviously they went for blue, so um, you know naturally. Um, but, and then there's a letter, 6th of October 2022, from Jim Paolo Investments Limited um, to uh, Jennifer Lee at the uh, Municipal Services Office for Central Ontario. Um, I think, oh no, sorry, apologies, that's who it's from. It's to um, Jennifer Lee at the Ministry. As they say, oh, we own some land on 13921 Airport Road within the town of Caledon. Um, these are designated general agricultural area under the town of Caledon's current official plan and A1 agricultural under the town's zoning bylaw. So important agricultural land, A1 land. Mm-hmm. Um, now, these would have been d- discussed and considered and planned within Peel, uh, and within Peel region and within the, the, uh, the city as well under the town of Caledon. These would, be, these would have been discussed and planned and considered for decades and decades and decades. Um, investment company, no, it's an investment company, not a developer per se. It's an investment company that buys things as investments. Has gone, oh, look, these lands are right next to where you can build. They're rural. 
but who knows? Let's buy them. Let's take a flyer on it. Maybe we can get something to change. So they just write a letter to the ministry saying, you know, Cardinal's very important, uh, growth, growth, growth. Oh, guess what? Look, here's a map of your 413 that you're building, and it's right next to that highway that you want to build. Don't you think it's a good idea to build on it? So they send that, and they send along a diagram. Theirs is red, by the way. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what that says. Um, and <laughs> the very next document is a ministerial uh, uh, map of that piece of land, you know, being zoned for. Yep, add this to the uh, add this to the to the to the uh, um, to the employment area. So, um, you know, just uh, sorry, the, the direct sort of process of just write to the minister, ask for help, and 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 help, hey presto, happens. And of course it makes sense. I'm not, you know, the developers just doing, well, the, the investment companies just doing what they're doing for their own best interests. Um, but that's not supposed to be how it works, that you just, you know, absent of any kind of process, any kind of consideration of what's uh, right and proper and and best for, for the, uh, mm -hmm. for everybody's interests, for the environment, for, uh, you know, protecting protestification um, for, you know, avoiding sprawl, all of that just completely out of the window. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, that's the system that we have now. And even though the, uh, the Green Belt, you know, has led to this scandal and a whole bunch of decisions have been rolled back and reversed, even though that has happened, this is still the process that we now have because of the, the acts that happened before, because of the changes to the municipal act that already happened. So there's nothing to stop this happening mm -hmm. again. It's just that people are saying, hey, look, this is obviously wrong when you've got developer writing to minister and minister making decisions. Um, the minister can still make arbitrary decisions. He's just not allowed to make them directly as a result of, of um, influence from from. Uh, other people it what gets me about this is how completely neutered and powerless uh the municipal the municipal governments are in this province which i i know this isn't uh, uh the provincial sphere or anything but we we keep talking the, the dialogue on a, on the national level on the housing crisis has always been those blasted municipalities blocking development from going forward and i i think that these doctors kind of kind of kick that argument a bit out the door because it's very clear that rather than setting up a process of this is where you can build this is what you can build instead the province has micromanaged it to the point where municipalities don't have any power like what why why you know i look at the 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 idea of uh we see the the federal government, the current federal liberals and federal federal conservatives talking about how they're going to go after these municipalities and holding back funds if they don't make the right planning decisions uh, to to promote uh, housing in the, in their communities, and that's all well and good. But I think I like to say like the real problem here is you've got to get the province to get its act together and say to create a system that it is just go go go, not well. Can I get a bit more? Can I get a bit more? Can I get a bit more? 
I, I look at this, I look at this like a question like where, where do we go from here? And I'm I mean, if I was a, if I was the Ontario Liberal Liberal Party or the New Democratic Party or the Green Party, my argument is let's start laying out this is how the system will work. Not not a we're gonna consult, just this is how it work. Come up with a system uh and run on that. Because right now the current system is if you it, the the current system is all handshakes and bribe money at buck at steak and dough or or at weddings and who can get the table next to the minister or the chief of staff or the premier's office at the at a big fundraiser it is there is no process that that is the, the way that development works in this province and when presumably even if Doug Ford is turfed out of power in the next election which is only in, it's in 2 years folks so we still have a little ways to go. But if Doug Ford and the Conservative Party, Progressive Conservative Party are turfed out in the next election and we elect a new Democratic or a Liberal government to replace them, right now I don't see I don't see a, a big change in the housing framework. And it will be the developers will just say, do what they do. Okay, we'll go back to funding the Conservatives, bide our time and maybe and just gum up the system until we can elect a new a new progressive conservative government who will instead just do this all over again. That's how I I, just, I don't yeah. see a cycle ending unless the opposition parties present a clear plan of this is how we're going to change it. Yeah, um, I mean the, 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 I, was, I was literally thinking about the same point that the opposition parties they're they're very happy. I mean, obviously they're very happy to throw mud all day, and, and the mud is. It's real mud. It, it's <laughs> this government is corrupt. Um, however, what they don't then say is like the process. I remember a phrase from from Kathleen Wynne. It was one of the. I mean, um, some some event or other that I was at. She said um, phrase, and it sounds like the most boring phrase ever. So I apologize. To understand what it means is really important. She said, I've spent my life life fixing bad processes. Uh, which sounds like processes. What the hell is pro- that's, that's just incredibly tedious. Uh, what that means is the, the way decisions are made, the process you go through to get from having an idea to actually implementing it is incredibly important to whether something succeeds or not. Um, bad processes lead to delays hang-ups, the wrong decision being made, good processes get swift decisions, swift progress, and the right thing happening. Um, And, you know, like I say, it doesn't sound like something you'd want put on your tombstone, but it's actually quite a profound statement, I I felt at the time. Uh, What we have here is no process at all. We have chaos. Uh, I mean, I was just... um, on Twitter yesterday, and there was discussion. It may actually be about the Eagle Heights thing. I'm not sure. Or another Burlington-related uh, piece of land, and the piece of land doesn't matter. But there was discussion about it, and and the the city has asked for an MZO on this piece of land, and kind of progressive activist types were saying, "Oh, it's a disgrace! The, uh, the 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 ministry has refused to respond and give an MZO on this piece of land." Because in this case, they want 
that they want they think well yeah mzo is the best thing for us because that will give us in this case perhaps a protection to a piece of land so an mzo can cut both ways again that's just not how it's supposed to work so now we've got this (laughs) all these people still being employed by municipalities and by the regions and by blah 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 to go through all this process of making a decision that then is just always uh uh, under threat of being thrown in the garbage. But right now, there's no indication from the NDP, no indication from the Liberals that they would do anything differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other than maybe use MZOs a little bit less, but the power is still there. And, and that's just not good enough. I mean, we need to have a government come in that's like, we are going to fundamentally reshape the Municipal Act, fundamentally reshape the Planning Act, to make sure that there is certainty every step of the way and that local de- democracy actually has its appropriate level of, of control and that there's none of this second guessing going on. But I, yeah, I mean, the yeah. most depressing thing of all and everything that we do on this this podcast is that I never hear that from any party. No. Um, and I certainly don't hear it from bloody Bonnie Crombie, you know. Um, it, it's... Uh, well, I mean that's that's just that's just. I mean, what I like, I'm I'm looking at this at these documents as, uh, as you know, as I said before, it kind of the, the curtain has been pulled back, and we're seeing the the wizard or the emperor has no clothes kind of kind of bit. Um, the question, it, my my thoughts are, again, I kind of take roll it back, and I think in my head, okay, we're in a mis- midst of a housing crisis, which we need to start we need to solve yesterday and right now we're looking at these uh at at, at the process I was, I was reading statistics the other day saying that we are nowhere close to hitting our our targets for for housings in in ontario and i look at i look at the this these documents that's this is the reason why is that there is no process to just get shovels in the ground like it, it, eventually you need to say no the discussion has been done. You need to you need to build on this plot of land. So many units, so many whatnot uh, is needed. And if you're not able to do it, then you need to sell it to somebody who will. Um, and that's the that's just not capable in this process. Uh, and that's why we are not seeing the housing starts that we that we need. In my opinion, uh, what we're seeing instead is kind of more of the same it's, it's this is the kind of how we got into this process that we that we're in now is that we're, we're not the free market's not building the housing that we need because it's easier to speculate on a plot of land it's easier to it's easier to go back to the to the minister and say hey can i get this designated as residential or free up the environmental protections on the land because i can i can either hold on to it and it becomes more valuable and that I can bankroll on that or I can sell it and make more money off of that. It is, we're still in this speculation game in development and we're not in the building game anymore. And we need to, we need to fundamentally shift that, that dynamic as far as I can, I can tell. Um, it, Cause I, I, right now it's, it's, I, I wrote this note on the, on my notes here, everything is possible. So therefore nothing is possible. If I was like, there's, there's no incentive in the system to actually build. 
I, I can say I'll, I'll build all I want, but what I really want is my plot of land to be more valuable to resell or to wait for this Highway 413 to come through if it ever gets built, which who knows. But here's the thing. We only have, this government currently only has two years left in its mandate to get its act together and start building. I do not see a system here that is conducive to that. I don't see, this isn't a matter of tweaking around the edges. This is a fun, their fundamental approach to how to get development done in this province is a faulty one. It's broken. It's counterproductive. It is not clear. And it goes against their state, their objectives, their stated objectives, I should say. Um, I don't know if they have enough time to, I mean, to come up with two years, to come up with a whole process of, uh, of development so that it is, we're able to actually start putting shovels in the ground and start building homes and, and units that are family ready to move into. I don't know if that's possible in two years, folks. I, it's, it's depressing note to, to kind of end off this episode on, but let's face it, like they, they have squandered six years of governing and it's clear that they, they don't have an, they don't have an interest and uh, an interest in creating a policy framework or a clear set of rules that basically it's like, here's the rules, step back and let it go. And eventually somebody says, somebody's going to be told, Nope, this is it. The lot, the buck stops here. You either sell, you either build the units we need or you sell to somebody who will, and they're just not willing to tell that to their their buddies. It, yeah, I mean it. It, it it's. Didn't, I mean, the leopard doesn't change its spots. Certainly not this leopard. Um, uh, the the they they've got caught with a hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, or asking for people to put money into the cookie jar. Perhaps better analogy. Um, but they don't accept that the fundamental process is broken, which that's the difference. That the, the process, the process that they have put in place is still in place. Mm-hmm. Um, that the idea that basically all local planning is ultimately done by the province, not by anybody else, uh, is still in place. Um, you know, that the the, the the direct correlation between a letter to the minister and a planning decision by the ministry is going to be more uh, obtuse. Let's say they'll find a way to make make it clear it's not that connection is not so obvious. Uh, you know, and by the way, everybody going through these documents, that direct correlation is seems very apparent. Oh yes, um, yes, you know, it it's, is. It's, it's, it, you can. There's the letter from from the developer. There's the emails from ministry staff saying, "Oh, um, you know, saying, oh, this this has been requested. Uh, we've we've missed it out from our planning things. Should we be adding it? Um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Those aren't the literal words, but but you know, very much that's the implication uh, of what's going on. Um, you know." Uh, <laughs> You know, here's, here's a document. Again, I'm just picking pretty much a random here as we're talking. October the 14th, 2022. Uh, just a, a list of items. Uh, Devona Law on behalf of Rismi Holdings a request. Development Industry, Urban Solutions, Corporate Land Strategies, Ed and Burlis on behalf of Penta Properties. 
Uh, these ones are all to do with the Eagle Heights lands in Burlington, urban solutions on behalf of Avatar International, parcel of land in the Green Belt redesignated as urban, uh, settlement area redesignated from rural and natural heritage to settlement, uh, something be removed from the Green Belt. You know, these requests going through and, and you know, directly going to, okay, here's what we're going to send to the municipalities next week saying how we're overruling their official plans. And it's, it's a direct, this all happened only a year ago. Um, so, you know, the, this has all happened very quickly and it's just page after page after page of requests for changes and then those changes happening. Um, yeah, I mean, that's corruption, but that's still the system we have. Um, they'll just obfuscate that correlation yeah. um, when it happens and it will continue to happen. And I guess that's where we're going to leave this episode on, uh, on that cheery note, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's a case of, you know, we, if you're, if you're a, an Ontario liberal party or new democratic party member, uh, a member of provincial parliament who might be listening to this podcast, that's what's needed. And that's what you need to start campaigning on now is that we need to fundamentally change the process and be transparent on what that process is going to be because that's how we got here is the this behind closed doors secrecy uh this is what's been holding up our, our solving the housing crisis in my opinion is it's it, it, we're still we're still speculating on on land and we have a government who uh who is invested in that speculation uh politically so uh, that's that. And thank you very much for listening to another episode, folks. We'll uh, talk with you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. 
Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to WhatSheSaidTalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.